You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, so our audio was not coming through on Facebook at the beginning, and so uh, I want to relay an announcement that Elliot said and uh, to our viewers at home that we are headed inside next week, and that means if the audio wasn't working, they didn't get to hear your cheer. So we are headed inside next week. Yes, we're... All of us out here in the heat are excited. Although it's beautiful, it is warm, and we are headed inside. We'll have full children's programming uh, next week, zero through fifth grade. And so we hope that you guys can join us inside next week. So we've been doing this series on connecting from a distance, connecting with God, and uh, just saw an opportunity that in this time when we're in isolation and sometimes quarantine and all this COVID stuff, that was a time that we could see how we could draw closer to God. And so we've been looking at these habits. And the point of these habits is to draw closer to God, to be able to love him in various ways. And, and so we've looked at that loving him through prayer and through study and through fasting and, and all this stuff. And we came, we come to this week. And this is a week, I'll be honest, this was my least favorite week when we were looking at what we were going to need to talk about. When we, when we paved all the different habits and we looked at all what we could do, and I thought, you know, we could easily skip that one, all right? And so I was thinking about trying to skip this one. I've been trying to figure out how we could get out of it. It is the week of looking at loving God with our bodies, all right? And so I love uh, donuts. I love uh, fast food. I love soda. So this was not a week that I thought that I should be speaking on loving God by eating healthy and caring for our bodies. And so I thought, okay, we'll have Elliot speak this week. Elliot runs. His goal is to, this year to run the grand, the length of the Grand Canyon, not the actual Grand Canyon, but the length of the Grand Canyon. Uh, but then I got to thinking that would be kind of cheating, right? To just give this off to someone else and not take ownership. And, and so then I thought, okay, this would be less cheating as if I go on a diet. And then by the time we got to this week, like we looked at this two months ago, I would have lost weight. It looked like I, I was preaching what I, I was living, what I was preaching. And so I started on a diet. And then that uh, pretzel f- uh, food truck was at Lowe's and I lasted on the diet for about two days and uh, the pretzel food truck was there, and I've gained three pounds on this spiritual diet in the past weeks. So it's not going so well. Um, So I share all that to tell you this is a message that I need just as much as any of you, all right? But it's a message about being how can we focus, how can we love God with our bodies? And that might sound crazy. Why why would God care about that? But one of the verses, uh, one of my favorite verses, our family verse, comes from uh, Mark chapter 12. And and it's a flashback to to Deuteronomy, to a verse that all the the little Jewish boys and girls would learn when they grew up. It's called the Shema, which means Shema means to hear. And so Jesus is talking and he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? And it was kind of a trick. It was a trap. And he goes back and he shares this verse. That's a simple verse that every little child would learn. And he, then he adds one more, but he says, Mark chapter 12 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so when we look at the spiritual disciplines, the point of those is for us to find avenues to love God, 
to grow closer to him. And so that looks like loving him with all of our heart. And we've looked at the, the, the habit of prayer and how can we dive deeper into loving God with our heart through prayer. And we've looked at with all of our soul. And that looks like on a Sabbath, just giving that day to God and resting in him, giving your whole soul over to him. We've looked at with all, with all your mind. We had a week on studying of scripture and the Lectio Divina and just being able to dive into scripture and, st- and love God with your mind. And then you got to this, Jesus says, and with all your strength. And so this week, I just want to look at how can we love God with our strength? How can we love God with our bodies? And how can we love God in in that way that we often don't think of as a spiritual discipline? But it is. We have uh, some verses I wanted to share. Uh, Bill Heitfield brought this to my attention. This is verse in Proverbs 8. And it says, Solomon is writing about God, and he says, Then I was beside him as a master craftsman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world. And my delight was with the sons of men. That he looks at God, at Jesus, as a master craftsman. I love that illustration, that idea of being a master craftsman. About uh, It's one thing to be a craftsman, but to be a master craftsman takes it to another level, right? There's this TV series that we watched at our house, and, and it, it was a cooking series, and it looked at master craftsmen in their field. And there was this video on this Japanese uh, sobu noodle maker, all right? It seemed like silly. I was like, how can we watch a noodle maker for 20 minutes? But it was fascinating to see this guy. He's a master noodle maker. And, and he's this older Japanese guy, and it was all in Japanese. We had to read subtitles. Um, and so it counts as a book, in my opinion. So I read a book that night. And so uh, we read a book, and we watched this video. And this guy, it was amazing to watch him work. The way he would just mix the flour and water. And then he starts um, pushing the, the dough out. And it was a circle. And he does some weird thing in just a fluid motion with just a stick. And he does two quick movements. And all of a sudden, this circle was a perfect rectangle. Like, I don't have a clue how he did it. 90-degree corners and everything. This guy was amazing. And so he's telling about this craft. And, and he gets to the point where he's cutting the noodles. And he says, to be a master sobu uh, noodle, maker you have to have the proper knife and and a, a good proper sobu knife could cost five to ten thousand dollars and i thought what for a knife like if i can't drive it i'm not paying five to ten thousand dollars for anything right but he's just for cutting the noodles it's a knife and he tells about his knife and it has been reclaimed from an ancient samurai sword right or at least that's what someone told him when they sold it to him and so he has a samurai sword knife that he's cutting the noodles with and it was just, it was amazing to watch him. It was, it was just fluid. It was beautiful almost. And it was the most incredible bowl of noodles that I've ever seen to see this guy make it. He was a master craftsman at noodles. All right. And so when I see this and when I hear about a master craftsman, I think about the times that I've tried to make pasta at home and it's just a mess and, and it's, it's awful and we order pizza instead. And now you have this master craftsman and how beautiful it was to see him work. And this is what it's like to see God. And his creation, and what he says that he, that he delights in, is in the sons of man, is in you and me, in mankind. We step into creation. To, to look at the body, we have to start there. We have creation where God has created the heavens and the earth and all that's in them. And he creates, and, he creates, and it starts with Genesis 1. It says, Then God said, Let there be light. 
Genesis 6. Then God said, let there be sky. Then God said, let the waters under the, let the, waters under the heaven. Then God said, the earth bring forth grass. Then God said, let there be light in the sky. Then God said, let the waters abound. Then God said, let the earth bring forth. And each step as he's creating, God speaks and it just happens. Isn't that amazing? That when you think God speaks and all this happens. And so he speaks. And then in verse one, chapter 1, verse 25, it says, And God saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. But then verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. He doesn't speak this time and have it happen. He speaks this time and tells us the plan. Let us make man in our image, in God's image, and in the image of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Let us make man, all men and women, created in his image. And so instead of just speaking this, chapter 2, verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the, from the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. This was the master craftsman. That he had created everything else by just speaking, but here he wants to get his hands on it. Here he wants to be part of this creation. And he creates it, and he puts his hands on it, and he picks it up, and he forms it, and he breathes breath into it, and it comes alive. This is mankind. And as a master craftsman, as a master painter, every brushstroke is intentional. Every color is intentional. Every part of the painting is on purpose. He does the same with each one of us, with who you are. And I love this, that it then says that when he saw man, he said this was very good. I'm excited that this was our last week outside because I wanted you to be able to look beyond me, look beyond the speakers at this beautiful setting. Look at the grass, look at the birds, look at the trees and the hills, the clouds coming up. It's a beautiful setting. God looks at that and says this is good. And then he looks at you. And he says, this is very good. You are very good. This beautiful thing is only good. You are very good. David shared this in Psalm 139, talking about our physical bodies. He said, you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that fully well. David saw the beauty that is in us, in our bodies, that this is God's creation. This is very good. And so when we talk about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it means to love God with that that he created, that the master craftsman created and cared for. And so when I get to that, I think, are we loving God with all of our strength? If we're to be honest, are we loving him with our, eat, with our eating habits, with our sleeping habits? Are we, are we loving him when we're so dependent on caffeine in the morning just to make it through a day? Are we loving him with any possible addictions we have? Are we loving him with the amount of exercise we partake in? How are we loving God? And like I said, this is not a message from me to you. This is a message from God to us because this is a convicting message to myself as well. How am I loving what God has given me. And I think as we, we look at this, there's one more reason 
that we need to love God with all of our strength is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. God talks about the temple, the new temple, that the Holy Spirit resides in you. 1 Corinthians 6 says, do, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, God, therefore honor God with your bodies. Throughout the Old Testament, if you're familiar with it, God resided in the temple in the Holy of Holies. He came down, and when he was with the Israelites, he, he was in a a pillar, a, a pillar of fire at night and, and smoke during the day, and God resided there with the Israelites, and then he resided in the Holy of Holies. Then when Jesus comes, God is there in flesh and blood in Jesus during the, his reign here on earth, and then Jesus says that he has to leave so the Holy Spirit can come, and so Jesus ascends into heaven, and then at Pentecost, which was last week, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down, and now the Holy Spirit, God, is inside each one of us. You are very good, as God would look, and you are worth putting his spirit in. The Holy Spirit resides in us. We are the temple of the Lord. And are we treating it as such? And so this morning, we're actually breaking up the message in two parts, and Chris is going to come back up after we have communion to do some more worship. But I just want to look at our individual bodies right now. I'm not a big touchy-feely kind of guy. I've never done yoga, and I failed out of a Pilates class one time. But if you will bear with me and, and kind of do, do this thing that we're going to do. If you'll close your eyes if you're able. If you're, if you're at home, close your eyes. And, and I just want you to focus. Focus on your breathing. As we talk about that we are the temple of God, as we look at our bodies, with your eyes closed, focus on your breathing. If it's short little breaths, slow down and take big ones. Breathe in and out. If your breath is shallow, try to take a deep breath and breathe. And with your eyes closed and you focused on your breathing, Think about that, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. God is residing in you. That as you're breathing right now with your eyes closed, as you're focused on that, I don't do this for us to feel guilty about how we're handling the temple. I do this to realize the greatness that God has decided to reign and, and to live within us. You are his Holy Spirit as you breathe. Breathe in and out. In and out. And as you continue that, I want you to hear an ancient rabbi. I've shared this before, but an ancient rabbi once said that God's name, Yahweh, was the sound of breathing. Yah, as in breathing in, way, breathing out. Focus on your breathing right now. In and out. In and out. Yahweh. With each breath, our bodies are proclaiming God's name. First thing we do when we're born, the doctor makes sure to, to smack us on the back, to clear our mouth, whatever it takes to be able to take that first breath, which often turns into a scream, but it's proclaiming God's name. On our deathbed, the last thing we do is one final breath, one final time, we proclaim God's name. Our bodies are God's. So often we get caught up in glorifying our body 
maybe we need to glorify God with our body. And let our breathing proclaim his name and our actions and how we care for our bodies proclaim his name. You can open your eyes if you haven't already. We're going to go into time of communion. And if you are at home and you need to go grab some communion supplies from the kitchen, now's the time to do it. Grab some crackers or, or whatever that might be. Uh, grab something from home. If you are here and you need some communion supplies, head on over and grab some. Uh, we can uh, get some for your whole family. But this is one of the parts that I love about the Christian church tradition. Each and every week we partake in communion. And we do so for a reason, to be, have a physical reminder. And I almost think this goes along, that this was intentional, that God gave us a physical way to remember because our bodies are to glorify him, that there's a physical way that we even feed our body as a reminder of what Jesus did for us. That at the Last Supper, he took the, the bread and he broke it and passed it out to his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he poured the, the juice and he said, or the wine and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. And so each and every week we have a physical way to be reminded of Jesus' love for us. To be reminded of his sacrifice for us. To be able to remember who Jesus was and that he died, <clears throat> but more importantly that he rose again. And for, because of that we have salvation. So right now, together as a church body, if you'll partake with communion with me, to take the bread and to take the juice. And to remember Christ's sacrifice. Lord, we thank you for your love, for that love on the cross what you were willing to put your body through for us. God, this morning as this message is, I, I, it might be not convicting to some, it, it is to me. God, let us not take it lightly, but to glorify you, not with our, just our mouths, not just with our hearts and with our studies, but with our body as well. God, we lift this up in your name. Amen. So we were thinking, if we're going to look at the body and glorifying God with the body, the Bible re continuously compares the body of Christ to the, the group of Christians to, uh, to a body, to the body of Christ, to believers. And th there's a verse that I wanted to read, and, and I think I don't see how we could meet together as a group of believers and not address what's going on in our nation and, and has spread to the world. And so I wanted to look at what the body of Christ looks like. 1 Corinthians 12 says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into the body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And it goes on to say in verse 26, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. It's part of our body that's suffering. It's part of our body that's hurting. 
And I wanted to, to take notes so I was sure what to say. Because I wanted you to be able to understand what's, what's the heart of my heart and I believe the heart of the, the leadership and of Discovery Church. Is that there is a heart, there's a part of our body that's suffering. And we need to hurt with them. And that's if people are being judged by the color of their skin. That should break our heart. We should suffer with them. And that should be devastating to us that that's happening. Our heart should break at the murder of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. Our heart should be breaking this week with the family of George Floyd as they laid him to rest. Our heart should break when people are treated differently simply because of how they look. It's because we're one body. And if one part of our body suffers, we all suffer. Our heart should break when people are judged by the color of their skin. Our heart should break. This past January, we were driving to, to Virginia, uh, and we were driving to Lynchburg. Every time I drive to Lynchburg, I get pulled over for some reason. And so we were driving to Lynchburg, and I got pulled over again. The Rocky song came on, and I was giving all my kids their own hype up in the car, and as I do, and I'm like, in the back seat at three foot two, a feisty four-year-old, Henry Zenithan Matthew Carell, and he cheers himself, and we all cheer for him. And so I was getting into it, and apparently so was my foot, and I started speeding, and the cop caught me. Um, and I was definitely speeding, right? I was into that song. And, and so he pulled me over, and I, he came and took my license and, and told me how fast I was going, which, I, which is true. And, and uh, he went back to the car, and I told the kids, they said, why did you get pulled over? I said, because I broke the law. I did something wrong. I got really into the song, but I, it was still my fault. And while the police officer was writing me up a ticket, Henry in the back seat, that little three-foot-two uh, bundle of joy said, I love police officers. And I said, so do I, buddy. So do I. And when the officer came up to give me a ticket, which he did, he handed it to me and had me sign, I said, Henry, can you let the gentleman know what you just shared? And from the back seat, Henry says, I love police officers. And I wanted him to know that even in the midst of getting a ticket, I'm thankful for what he's doing for our, our nation, for our streets, for our community. And so to judge all police officers by the actions of one or two bad cops is incorrect. It's just wrong. There's a lot of great police officers, many that even attend this church, that are out there that are striving to protect, and we need to, to, to love on them. But likewise... To judge an entire group that's hurting, to judge an entire group that's suffering based on a few people that are looting and causing riots is incorrect as well. There's a lot of people that are crying out that they've been hurt and they're suffering. And we need to suffer with them as one body. I believe that racism is a sin and God calls us as Christians to stand up against sin and that's what we've been called to do. I shared that story about uh, Henry and the police officer, but I also want to share another story. As many of you know, we have a little two-year-old girl we adopted this past summer. And Zinni Grace is uh, biracial. And there's been times already in the short year and a half that we've had her that she's been treated differently by other little kids when she plays with them at McDonald's, that we've been treated differently as a family just for having her in our family. 
And I'll share with you. I've told my boys to protect her. Sorry. That's because of the color of her skin. She's harmed in any way. That is their job to protect her. It's their job to stand up for her. Because she's their sister. And the same goes for all of us. Our brothers and sisters are hurting. Our brothers and sisters are being judged and treated differently. And it's our job, as I've taught my boys, to stand up and protect them. To love. To love them. And so... I want to share one last verse. It's Jesus tells us the tells the disciples how people know that they're different. How would they know that they're different as a follower of Christ? And it says that they will know you are my disciples by your love. And this is what we can do: that we can love, that we can love no matter what color the master craftsman has decided to paint that skin. That it's all God's creation. That no matter what the color of their skin, they are all, we are all very good. And I pray that we can look inside, that if we have anything that we need to work through ourselves, that we can address that. That we can address this in our communities, maybe in our homes, maybe in our own hearts. And that we can love. And so I want to close by just praying for our nation, praying that we would have the ability that this group here, the people watching on Facebook, would be able to set an example of love, to set an example to protect and care for our brothers and sisters, as I want my boys to do for their little, for their little zinny grace. I pray that that is the heart of each person here. So if you'll stand with me as we pray, and then Chris is going to lead us in one final song, and this prayer is a beautiful prayer. I came across it, and it's by uh, St. Francis of Assisi. And it was a prayer that he wrote a thousand years ago, and a prayer that still applies today. If you'll pray with me. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, let us sow pardon. Where there is discord, let us sow union. Where there is doubt, let us sow faith. Where there is despair, let us sow hope. Where there is darkness, let us sow light. Where there is sadness, let us sow joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in the giving that we receive it is in the pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in the dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.